Okay, what is the significance of worshipping Krishna's form dancing atop Kalyanag? Does it signify conquering and keeping the Venomic nature subdued? Uh, the Kalyaswarup is uh, uh, basically there was this particular um, lake where he was able to overcome this Nag. Uh, the ball got thrown inside and uh, he was able to remove it out from there thereby freeing all his friends as the story goes that there was one there was a fight between this kalia and and jatai uh, not, not jatai what is that garuda and garuda had taken charge of his island all right and so he had come all the way from that place to this place garuda is the vahan of vishnu so after krishna retrieves the ball from him he sends with his wife you know all the wives come out over there and they request krishna not to kill him and thereafter he sends that particular snake back to the place the island where he came from these are more than 1000 islands actually and uh, these islands come under the domain of the god of the sea okay varun dev and being sent back to the same place he again retrain retains that same position whereas garuda is then given the position where he can be the vahan of uh, he is given uh, much more powers than that so the kaliya swarup is connected to a domain which is of two kinds one which is deeper down inside and the other one which is high up in the air so two levels see when i speak about this these there are five elements which we consider five elements the the afflictions connected to the elements concerned what are the two uh, here we are discussing one we are discussing air and one we are discussing water he lives in the water he lives in the water and he cannot sustain the air aspect so because the the aspect called air is controlled by the flying bird which we just spoke about and his domain is down deep down into the waters so these are basically afflictions connected through waters afflictions which are connected through waters and krishna the idea is that when we overcome this by the grace of the lord the afflictions are overcome by the grace of the lord they go back to the place where they came from okay water borne diseases what are the water borne diseases there are n number of water borne diseases that are there and kaliya is a multi hooded serpent multi hooded serpent he's got number of wives number of children so what happens is this kind of water borne diseases they spread like nobody's business you must have seen so 
when we pray to the the kaliya swarup of krishna where he is standing on top of the kaliya we are able to overcome a certain number of these kind of water borne diseases so depending on what form we are praising exactly the type of form that we are addressing to you will find that he is capable of handling it you will find that in multiple episodes now we will be doing in the future i don't want to preempt all the entire stories so when the story of kaliya will come at that time now you know little secret about it so we will take up all the secret stories that are there in the future because there are so many things that he has done and what exactly is the significance of that we will slowly come to that okay so now we will start with our current book which is sai sri sai sat charitra this is chapter 11 a narration of sai's greatness my obeisance to sri ganesh to sri saraswati to sri guru maharaj to the family deity to sita ramachandra the most humble obeisance my i bow in reverence to the most venerable guru sri sainath to continue from the previous tale baba slept on a narrow wooden plank from which his descending or ascending has never been seen by anyone and which only revealed his incomprehensible ways a hindu or a muslim to him both were equal and so we have surveyed so far the life of baba who was the deity of shirdi and now we begin the 11th chapter which adorned as it is with the sweet tales of the guru should i feel be offered with unanswering unswerving devotion at sai's feet by doing so we will be contemplating on baba's manifest form which will be meritorious as the 11 readings of the rudra and will give us a proof of baba's power over the five elements thereby revealing baba's greatness see here the mention is there of the five elements so you will understand that now let me narrate how indra agni varun etc obeyed baba's command be attentive o listeners a personification of the highest renunciation sai's manifest form is the repose of his faithful devotee let us bring him to mind with love and affection we offer him a seat or unswerving faith in our guru's word and with the sankalpa to renounce all desires we begin our worship so we have seen from the last chapter that how he used to climb up on top of that small plank and sleep over there and come down nobody knew how it was done so now we are going towards the towards how he could control the elements see every guru um, that is the sadgurus the gods that are there they are able to control the elements elements means like normally suppose uh, can you control the element can you control that the rain coming or the snow falling or nobody can control it but how do the sages control it this is if the faith atal that is unswerving you cannot even swerve little bit the faith has to be 100% then anything that the saint does for you it will stand instead okay in good stead suppose he says don't rain it won't rain it happens so let us see how it is done greater even than all the most sacred places of puja that is idol sacrificial altar fire light sun water and the brahman is guru raj hence let us worship him with steadfast devotion once you surrender at his feet with single minded devotion not only the guru but god himself will be moved such is the marvel of guru worship 
which the guru devotees should experience for themselves. Only so long as the guru worshipper is keenly aware of his physical self does he need a guru in the human form. But for one who has gone beyond his physical self, a formless guru suffices. Such is the proclamation of the Shastras. Okay, here let me give you an understanding. Everybody who is knowing that they are physical beings. See, everybody knows that they are physically present, isn't it? So the moment you know you are in a body, and the body has more significance than anybody else in the world. We believe that I am so and so. This body is what takes prominence. So such a type of a person who has the affinity to the body. Such a type of a person needs a guru. A guru who is hayat. Hayat means available. He is alive. He is there in front. Something like that. So that kind of a guru is needed. But the moment you give up your material body. Giving up your material body means you have forgotten the existence of your own body. Such a type of a person can take recourse to a guru who is non-physical in nature. Alright? So that need not be. That is what he means. Devotion cannot arise without a physical form to meditate upon. And in the absence of such loving devotion, the unbloomed flower of the mind does not open up. And unless it blossoms, the bud by itself can give no fragrance, no honey. Nor will the buzzing bee hover around it even for a moment. That which is with attribute saguna also has a form without attribute nirguna in the formless one. But they both do not differ from each other. With or without form, they are both one and the same. Ghee, that is clarified butter. When frozen, is ghee solidified. But when melted, it is still called ghee. That is with form and that is without it. In harmony with each other fills the universe. To be able to gaze at it till the eyes are satiated. To be able to lower the head at its feet. From where knowledge flows freely and directly. It is there that the heart grows fond. He with whom one can converse lovingly. Whom one can worship. With all the elaborate rituals. He has to be in the manifest form. Truly it is so much easier to comprehend a manifest form. Rather than the unmanifest the formless one. But when love and devotion for the manifest is once rooted firmly in the mind, comprehension of the formless one follows automatically. In innumerable ways did Baba try to bring to the devotee a comprehension of the formless one. According to the spiritual authority of each, he would make them sit apart or deny darshan for long periods. He would send one away from Shirdi, while another would be confined in solitude in Shirdi itself. Yet another, would be restricted to the Vada and made to read the Pothi regularly as prescribed by himself. The purpose of the whole exercise was that after such a deep study is pursued over the years, the longing for Baba's presence in the unmanifest form would intensify and his presence would be felt all the time, sitting, sleeping or eating. Mortal as this body is, it is going to die someday or the other. Hence, the devotee should not grieve for it but concentrate their mind on him who is without beginning or end, that is God. This creation spread out before us in its rich variety is all illusory manifestation of the unmanifest. It has taken shape out of the unmanifest and it is to the unmanifest that it will return. The whole creation of it, the whole of it creation, right from Brahma down to the smallest bush, taken either as individual components or the whole or as the aggregate of all the component parts merges with the unmanifest from which it came into being. Hence, no one ever dies. How can it be true then of Baba? 
Shirdi Sai Shri Sai is eternally pure, wisdom incarnate, perfect and immortal. So may call him a devotee of God. Some may, some may call him a devotee of God. Some may call him a great Vaishnav. But to us he appears as God incarnate. As the Ganga winds his way to merge with the vast ocean, she brings a soothing coolness to all those oppressed by the sun's heat. Along her way, <coughs> gives, gives life to the trees on the banks and quenches the thirst of all. Such is also the case with the incarnation of saints on this earth. They appear and depart, but by the manner in which they conduct themselves, they purify the world, forgiving by the uttermost, remarkably unfurled, unruffled and calm, guileless and forbearing by nature and incomparable in their present contentment, such a one was Baba. See, in everybody's life, they need to see the physical form. Without the physical form, the devotional aspect does not work. If we are trying to pray to the formless, the devotion doesn't sink in. The love will not be there because what are you actually looking at? You don't even know. I mean, think about it. If there is somebody in your world whom, who is dear to you and that person doesn't exist that moment, what happens to that person? Not there anymore. So how do you express love for that person? You cannot. So you don't know. So here, what is important is first you should have the idea about the uh, manifest itself. So manifest form of the Guru has to be prayed to first. Thereafter, what the Guru does is, he takes every individual in his own stride. Now everybody is considered as an individual who is at a particular level. So some of them may be told, you sit with me. Some of them may be told, you go away, go and sit in some place. So Baba had these various ways of telling people to go here, there, sit in some place, see, sit in the Vada, sit in some other location. Some of them, he told them, you have to sit here and not to go away from here. Now, this is a way of teaching. This is done so that the person's focus gets on to this divinity. And once that happens, then you understand the formless one. So even when Baba died and when he gave up, Samadhi was there, you can still experience him even today. How can you experience him? You can ask those people who have actually felt him and seen him in reality. So one of these days I will tell you the different stories that have happened in our personal lives where some of my devotees, some of my people, myself and the people around me have experienced this kind of a sweetness. So we, I will be definitely telling you the stories. Though he appears to be in the human form, he is formless, tranquil, unruffled. He is self-contained and liberated inwardly even as he moves around in the world. Though God had himself, even Sri Krishna says that the saints are my heart and soul. Saints are my living image. The loving compassionate saints are none other than myself. And yet, even to call them my image would not be correct. For they are constant unchanging image of mine. And it is for this sake that I carry the burden of responsibility of my devotees. This is Krishna's words. I bow to at the feet of him who surrenders himself wholeheartedly to the saint. Thus has Sri Krishna himself proclaimed the greatness of the saint to Uddhava. Most perfect among those with a form and among those without it, the most excellent tribute to those with attributes and processing, possessing the highest virtue among the virtuous and king among them all. Satiated in all his desires, he who is fulfilled 
is always content and what is ordained constantly self-absorbed and beyond joys and sorrow. Who is the splendor of blissful joy? Who can describe the glory of such a one? He is Brahma incarnate and therefore I always bow beyond, and always beyond any description. It is this power which defines all, defies all description that has appeared in the visible form on this earth. He is indeed that same truth, knowledge and joy personified and it is full awareness of knowledge. He whose heart is one with Brahma, who is liberated from the worldly life and is exempt from the mundane world, worldly concerns, he always enjoys a state of oneness with the Brahma and his image of unalloyed happiness. Listeners who have always heard the Shruti proclaim that the pure joy is God himself. That is Satchidananda he is talking about. The readers too have read it in the sacred texts, but the faithful actually experience it in Shirdi. Strange indeed is this wonderful worldly life, characterized by dharma, adharma, etc., about which only those who have not realized their true self find it necessary to bother and take care of. But it is no concern of the realized soul, for they take refuge only in the real self. They are forever free and full of joy, who are the very image of pure knowledge. Baba was himself the refuge, the support of all. Wherefore then, a seat to support him, and that too the seat for the silver throne. But Baba was indulgent and cared for the devotee's feeling. That was his old, old seat, a piece of sackcloth on which the devotee would very lovingly put a cushion seat for him to sit on and would also place a cushion against the wall at the back. That he used to lean on. Honoring the feeling of the devotee, Baba too complied with their wishes. Though he appeared to be stationed in Shirdi, Baba moved everywhere quite freely. This is the experience that Sai always gave to his devotees. Unruffled, detached as he was, Baba would accept from his devotees the various rituals of puja, from each according to his faith and in deference to his wishes. Thus some waved the sauri, as some fanned him gently, gently with a fan. Some others offered worship of playing musical instruments like kettle drums, clarinets, etc. Some washed his hands and feet. Some applied fragrance, perfumes and sandalwood paste. Some made a special food offering followed by the ceremonial bitter leaf pan made with 13 ingredients. There were still others who applied sandalwood paste, drawing two lines with two fingers as in the Shivalinga, while some mixed the fragrant musk with it before applying, once and only once. Dr. Pandit, who was a friend of Tata Sahib Nulkar, came to Shirdi to have Sai Baba's darshan. Actually, uh, Sai Baba's form was not known which aspect he was. Whether Vaishnav or a Shaivite or a Muslim or a Hindu, nobody knew who he was. So he never allowed anybody to touch his forehead. That's the time when, this is the first time when we are going to do this, you will understand what happens. The moment he put his foot in Shirdi, he at once went to the mosque and making obeisance to Baba, sat down there for a moment to rest. Baba then said to him, go, go to Dadabhat, go that way. So saying, he pointed the way with his fingers, packing him off thus. Pandit went to Dada's house and was received by him with courtesy. Dada then was all set to leave for the mosque to perform Baba's puja and asked Pandit whether he would like to accompany him. Pandit agreed and went with Dada. Dada then performed the puja. Till then, no one had dared to apply the round sandal paste marks on Baba's forehead. Whoever the devotee, and for whatever reason he might come, Baba would not allow him to apply sandalwood paste on the forehead. Only Mahalsapati would smear it on the throat. The rest applied it to his feet. But Pandit was naive, simple and devout. He grabbed the small dish of sandalwood paste from Dada's hands and holding Sri Sai's head with one hand, drew 
a new tripundra on the head forehead or with the other on seeing pandit's daring dada felt very trepidation at heart and oh what daring indeed and wouldn't baba flare up at it he thought but although the most improbable had actually taken place baba said not a word rather he looked quite pleased he showed not a trace of anger the incident was allowed to pass but in dada's mind rankled an uneasiness a disquiet on the same evening he asked baba about it when we try to put even such a tiny mark of sandal paste on your forehead you do not allow us to touch it what is this that happened that morning for our sandal paste mark there is so much distaste and disinterest but for pandit tripundra so much of love <coughs> what a very strange behavior there is no consistency in it with a smile playing on his face baba then uttered these sweet words very lovingly to dada listen to them carefully dada remember his guru is a brahmin and i a muslim yet regarding me to be the same as his own guru he offered me guru puja not once did the doubt arise in his mind that i am a brahmin pure and holy and he an impure muslim how can i worship him and that is how he deceived me leaving me no other option far from my denying him it is he who won me over completely dada heard this explanation but treated it lightly as lightly as a joke and it was not until he returned home that it is true significance dawned on dada dada was deeply offended by the inconsistency in baba's behavior but it was while talk talking the incident over with pandit that he at once realized how consistent baba has been in his behavior see this particular uh, person I'll, I'll, i'll give you an idea about it every person has owes an allegiance to a particular guru now if they happen to come in front of this particular guru what they do is they do not see the one who is in front of them but they see their ishta ishta is their own in front so what happens is they start praying to that ishta in his own way so let us say for example if somebody who is uh, having uh, who is owing allegiance to say uh, hanuman ji okay and he goes in front of a particular sage you will he will find hanuman ji sitting right there in front of him and that is the reason why he will start praying the way you pray to hanuman ji in the same way you will find that these sages they have this very peculiar methodology of confirming the faith of that person in their own guru they will do that so let us say for example like uh, a particular person has is a shaivite and he goes to a person who is not a shaivite so there you will find that he will find shiva over there okay so this is how they work raghunath of dhupeshwar was a siddha was well known as kakapuranik and whose feet pandit was devotedly attached as a disciple from an association from past birth see this is what i said from past birth we all come with our own gurus everybody in this world they have a, they, they owe allegiance to a particular guru so they will keep on coming with the same team it's like the team india team will go with india team only they will not go with pakistan team <laughs> so it is like that so only your team that is how the whole team works all right he called out to kaka his guru and the experience that followed confirmed him in his faith as in the steadfastness of faith so is the power of devotion this is what we just discussed however 
these puja rituals were allowed only when it is pleased Baba. Otherwise, <coughs> Baba would throw away the puja offerings, exhibiting the wrath and temper of Narsimha himself. But while in the terrible form, who has the courage to stand near him? Seeing him so incest, each and every one ran from the fear of his life. Suddenly flying into rage, he would sometimes take out his anger on the devotees. At other times, softer even than wax, he would be the very image of tranquility and forgiveness. Sometimes he appeared as a ferocious as the fire of universal destruction and kept the devotees as on the sharp edge of sword. And sometimes he was cheerful and even softer than the butter. Outwardly, he would tremble with rage, rotate his eyeballs vigorously and at, at heart there flowed a spring of compassion as in the mother for her child. In the very next moment, he regained his usual calm and composure and called out loudly to the devotee to come near him, saying, Even if I seem to be angry with someone, my heart knows no anger. Should a mother push her child away with a kick or the ocean send the river back, only then it is possible that I will repulse or harm you in any way. I am absolutely in the power of my devotee and stand by their side. For if ever, I am hungering after their love and readily answer their call in distress. Even while narrating this part of the story, another most appropriate tale comes to the mind, which I shall narrate. Listen to it attentively, O listeners. See, in this case, what happens is, Baba's way of talking to a person or behaving with him, you will find that there is a lot of inconsistency. That means with some, he would take them close and he, he may, you know, bring them close and ask them to be near his feet. And sometimes some people, he would say, get out from here. I don't want you over here. Now you may wonder what is this special favor granted to one and no favor to the other one. There is nothing like that. What happens is, it's it's like a, a mother's thing, you know. Uh, how does a mother behave with a child? The guru behaves exactly like this. You will find that in some uh, some cases, you will find that the mother yeah, of certain types of fishes, she opens her mouth wide takes all her babies inside her mouth and goes away. At such time you will wonder how come the mother has eaten all the fishes, all her children. She is not eaten, she has just kept them over there for safety purposes. In the same way you will find all these cats. Have you seen the cats? They will catch the neck of their small one and they will carry and it looks like as if the cat is killing its child. There is nothing like that. Sometimes, sometimes you will find that the mother takes this very, very extreme step of killing the child as well. When she understands that there is some problem with the child, you will find that in some of the species of the animals, you will find that the mother, when she finds that the child is not able to do perform a certain actions, she kills that child herself. So that is also possible. So what happens in most of the cases where the Guru is concerned, where Sai Baba is concerned, he would take some people closer, some people he would he would tell them to go away, some people he will take a stick and run after them, he will call them names, he will do everything. <laughs> but that is his way of doing it. So everybody, there is nothing called anger there. It is a way of doing something. Uh, Padma has written something. No, they, they are basically functionalities. I think we have discussed this before. All deities are functionalities. They are not a form of the Lord. Form of the Lord is different. The form of the Lord is complete or he may have a particular, uh, like say for example, he has a particular mission. But the deities are functionalities. They are the functions that are there in the, in the, in the body or in this material world. Okay. So, so, <clears throat> 
outwardly uh, we are at 73 no 78 okay Siddiq Falke a Muslim resident of Kalyan once came to Shirdi having just returned from the pilgrimage to Makkah Madina the old Haji put up a northward facing Chavdi for the first nine months Baba did not favor him with any notice and seemed displeased time was not right yet ripe and all his wearisome trips to the mosque were wasted he tried in different ways but Baba would not even look at him the doors of the mosque were open to all nobody had the maneuver had to maneuver a secret entry but Falke had no permission to come up the steps of the mosque Falke grew very sad at heart how strange is this fate that I cannot even put my foot in the mosque I wonder what terrible sins I could have committed but what means can I win his grace this was the only thought that tormented Falke's heart like a disease day and night suddenly someone said to him do not despair seek Madhavara's help and your wishes will be fulfilled. If you neglect to take the darshan of Nandi first, how do you expect Shankar to be pleased? To Falke, this appeared to be a better course to follow. This reminds me of a very beautiful story that happened in our world. The story of the Nandi, you know. If you have to visit a Shivji's temple, have you ever seen outside the Shivji's temple is the Nandi? So first you bow down to Nandi. In the same case, once upon a time when uh, <laughs> we had a team of few people, we had gone to uh, uh, Tirupati. Okay. And uh, we were sitting in that uh, Garbagraha. There were, I think many people, I think five, six or seven people, I don't recollect now. So we were sitting in the Garbagraha and these people asked me, you know, ki, uh, anyway that story I'll tell you all later on, but this is... So I asked them, I said, you know what, why don't all of you go and see the Garuda over there. Okay. That means whether he is there or not there. So all of them trooped towards the Garuda. And then after 2-3 minutes they all came running back saying that they actually could see a huge Garuda sitting over there. So this is, this is basically you have to ensure that you give respect to that particular deity as well. He's an, he is a sadhan. Sadhan is like one of the aspects of the Lord. The Lord is comprising of all his paraphernalia. Okay. That is Shanka, Chakra, Gada, Padma, all these things along with his Vahan as well. That is his own, isn't it? So, that is what these people were able to see in, in uh, Tirupati. And that is when they took the Darshan. I, I think Raj was there and I think Kalpana was also there. Huh? So, anyway, coming back to the story once again. So you have to take the Nandi's darshan first. Premafasi, this would appear to be an exaggeration to the listeners, but such indeed has to be the experience of the devotee when they went to Shirdi for Baba's darshan. Those who wish to have a quiet, undisturbed conversation with Baba would always take Madhavara with them initially. He would then introduce the topic in sweet tones as to who had come and where and for what purpose. On this introduction, Samarth would then be induced to converse. Hearing all this, Haji importune Mahatma Dharav saying, Please remove the restless agitation of my mind once and for all and help me attain the unattainable. Under such urging upon his consideration, Mahatma resolved firmly that whether the task be easy or difficult, he would give it a try. So he went to the mosque and ventured to bring up the topic slowly, cautiously. Baba, that old man is so sad, so distressed. Oh, why don't you oblige him? Haji has been to Makkah Madina and has now come to Shirdi for your darshan. 
How can you not feel compassion for him? Oh, please do allow him to come to the mosque. Countless people come take darshan in the mosque, returning instantaneously. Why then is he singled out to waste away in the languor? Don't be kind, do be kind and compassionate towards him at last and let him come to the mosque. Then he will also be able to say to you what he wishes and go away immediately. Shama, you are a newborn infant as yet. Unless Allah favors him, what can I do? Can anyone step up the mosque without being Allah Mia's debtor? Inscrutable are the ways of the fakir here. Over him I have no control. Now think about it. He is talking in third person. He is calling himself the fakir. He is calling that Allah Mia has to give a permission. So whom is he talking about? See the greatness of a person is determined like this. Where he considers that particular body, that particular body, as belonging to somebody else and he is somebody else and Allah Mia is somebody else. I think some of us have already experienced this in another town where the person says, Baba said like this. <laughs> Baba was doing like this. Okay. And this is how the whole thing works. Baba did like this and Baba said like this and Ma was talking like this. Okay, there is a Ma, there is a Baba. And who is the person who is talking then? Finally, at the end of the day, the Baba and the Ma and the person is the same. There is no difference between the two. But this is the way the, how these sages behave. They behave in a very peculiar manner. All the same, go and ask him clearly whether he will carefully walk up the narrow path which goes straight beyond the Velbaravi. When asked, the Haji said, However difficult it might be, I will carefully tread on the path. But give me personal audience, O Sai. Let me sit at your feet. On hearing this reply from Shama, Baba said, Ask him further, will you give me 40,000 rupees in four installments? <laughs> that means for Darshan you need 40,000 rupees. Huh? That is very funny. So to Madhavara who conveyed this message, the Haji said, Is this any question to be asked? Oh, will I not give even 40 lakhs when asked? What then of thousands? When Baba heard this, he said further, We intend to kill a goat in the mosque today. Ask him which part of the meat he wants. Does he want the meat-covered bones or his heart set out on having the sex organs? Go, ask the old fellow, what is it that, that he definitely wants? Madhav Rao conveyed Baba's message fully to the Haji. And the Haji said categorically, I want none of it. If he wishes to give me something, then I have only one wish, that even if I get a morsel from that earthen vessel of food, I shall be blessed. Madhav Rao duly conveyed Haji's reply. But as he heard it, Baba at once flew in a rage. Himself he picked up an earthen vessel of food and pitchers and water and flung them out of the door, fiercely biting his own hands. He came and stood next to the Haji. Catching his kafni with both his hands, he lifted it up in front of the Haji and said, Who do you think you are that you boast vainly in my presence? You are flaunting the wisdom of your old age. Is this how you read your Quran? That a pilgrimage to Mecca has made you so proud and haughty? But you do not know me yet. He reviled him thus, hurled at him unutterable abuses. The Haji was absolutely stunned. Baba then went back. On hearing the courtyard of the mosque, on entering the courtyard of the mosque, he saw many farm boomers selling mangoes. He brought all the baskets of fruits and sent them to the Haji. At once he turned back and once again went to the fal- Falke and taking out 55 rupees from his pocket, counted them one by one on the Haji's hand. The affection between them grew thereafter. The Haji was invited for a meal 
as if both had forgotten all that had passed before and the haji was absorbed in the experience of pure joy later the haji left shirdi but returned once again and became more and more attached to baba and even afterwards baba continued to give him money from time to time now i'll wait here i'll give you the idea about this story see the haji is a muslim okay he had gone to makkah madina people visit all kinds of holy places so that they can show what kind of greatness they have some people visit all the great places and say oh i can give so many thousands of rupees i can give this mai sone ka ye chalaunga mai chandi ka ye karunga and all that people have this arrogance the arrogance is what is not needed over there so even somebody who is doing a hajj is not supposed to go there arrogantly you are going to bow down before the divine lord over there so you need not go with arrogance and this is what infuriates the sages the saints so what he does he doesn't allow him to come nine months the person is kept hanging over there in the other place but yet not allowed to come and when there are the, there are the dialogues between the two of them what are the dialogues if you actually look at the dialogues you will come to know it is talking of a number of things okay one is talking about money i just gave you the idea how arrogant a person becomes when money is involved the haji was a rich man definitely second they do a lot of sacrifices karbala they definitely do what is you know cutting the goats and all that okay so at at such type of places again the arrogance grows i gave this i gave that there were two other things which were mentioned over there if you see one is the cutting of the goat and which part do you want what is the goat cutting the goat cutting the goat is who is this goat the goat is the ego of that person you chop it by chopping that goat what is the part that you want to offer what is the part that you want you will find that baba uses two different parts what are the parts that he says yeah so one is the covered where, where where is it he meat covered bones does he want the meat covered bones shakespeare has also spoken about such kind of things you know in the same way baba is also speaking in a very very uh, very you know secret tone what he says so what is it that you are seeking what is this meat covered bones mean the juicy part of the body these are the things which people love okay they are always devoted towards pleasures in life pleasures so person who is having pleasures like eating such nice kind of stuff and then the second part which he says is the sexual organ even though doing all those kind of things a person is in lust and in greed so the person is constantly lost in lust and greed so baba is clearly pointing out over there also this is what you are actually looking at so what is it that you are seeking so which part do you want me to remove it you understood from your being what is it that has to be removed what are you willing to pay me for that if the arrogance is there so in arrogance what does he say see he says it with arrogance that i want to come and share your food 
दैट हंडी में थोड़ा सा खाना है आई वॉन्ट टू कम एंड शेयर दैट फूड सर फर्स्ट यू हैव टू लीव योर ईगो आउटसाइड यू वॉन्ट टू ईट ऑल दैट लाइक राज विल से चमचम ईट फूड समथिंग विच इज वेरी टेस्टी टू द टंग यू नो यू वॉन्ट टू ईट दैट यू वॉन्ट टू इंडल्ज इन ग्रीन यू वॉन्ट टू इंडल्ज इन सेक्शुअल एक्ट लस्ट and then on top of it you have the cheek to say that offer me the gruel that you are eating that is arrogance to the core so that is the reason why baba takes a stick and runs after him and calls him names later on when he shooed away from there baba sends him a lot of luscious fruits he gathers the fruits from the people outside and he says okay he is buying those things and he sends it to them what does he do why does he do that all the evil portents in that person is now cleaned out sometimes we do not understand why this is happening the cleaning process is very tough have you you know when you clean your vessels have you seen what kind of things you do the place which is having more uh, you know all that burnt up stuff you know how many times you have to rub over there how much of scrubbing you have to do so from our individual being these kind of tendencies that we have are the things which requires a lot of rubbing But the sages are very very particular about this they want to pull that thing out of you pulling that thing out of you cleaning up the whole place you know it's such a dangerous act i don't know uh, see women over here will understand if anybody has done a dnc you know how difficult and how tough that process is it's imagine you are cleaning the whole place up kach 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 pulling the whole thing out sucking it out and then cleaning it to such a level that you feel pain and hurt and everything the sages are like that what they do is they take that piece of your body and clean the whole body out like that removing even the last trace of it and then they will give you the sweet fruit the fruit of devotion the mango is called the fruit of devotion that is offered to that person after that devotion increases do you get this point it seems like such a heartless thing to do telling him go away from here nine months you go and sit over there seems like a very very heartless thing but this is how they do they clean the entire being of that person of all the evil tendencies that the person has and then give him back a body which is pure and full of grandeur this body they can then use in the material world and then this same haji becomes a very great devotee of sai baba keeps on coming continuously from kalyan to shirdi it's a very close distance okay ha huh. once i saw sai samarth playing to indra the god of thunder who rules over the crowds and i was struck with amazement it was most terrifying moment the entire sky was overcast and dark birds and animals were stricken with fear there was a fierce gale accompanied by heavy showers it was late evening the sun had already set suddenly there was a whirlwind and as the wind roared there was a great commotion everywhere to add to it the clouds thundered overhead the lightning cracked the squally winds continued to roar and they followed a very heavy downpour of rain The clouds rain cats and dogs pit pat came the hailstones thick and fast the villagers were full of apprehension the cattle bellowed helplessly under the eaves of the mosque the beggars thronged th- together for shelter the cattle with their cows huddled there too the mosque was overcrowded 
there was water and nothing but water everywhere and in each quarter the grass was forcibly borne away by the torrent of water and the crop in the barn all cut and ready was soaked through the through and through among those people chaos and bewilderment reigned supreme the villagers panicked and huddled into the sabamanda some of them took shelter under the eave of the mosque they had all come in supplication to baba jogai jakai marai shani shankar ambabai maruti khandoba malsapati all the gods and goddesses were in shirdi and in some place or the other these are small small temples around shirdi if you ever go to shirdi you know you will find all these small 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 temples all these are the names of the different different gods that are there they are the village deity as we call them okay but in times of trouble None was of help to the villager. It was Sai alone, the living god, who came running to the rescue. And in the hour of the need, Padma asked me a question just now. The deities. The deities are individual powers. They do not have power over other things. They can only control their domain. They cannot control some other domain. Okay. So they have. It's like a, a liver can do liver functions. A, an intestine can do intestine functions. A leg will do the leg's job. A hand will do its hand's job. so every every part of the body is specific to its own ways so you cannot expect something else to work and for in some some other place and that is the reason why it is so very important but in times of trouble none was of help to the villagers it was sai alone the living god who came to running to the rescue in the hour of need and he needed no animal sacrifices or the goat or the cock nor any offering of money since he love on faith was all that they hungered after and then all the troubles would be destroyed When he saw how terrified the people were, Maharaj's heart was deeply moved by compassion. Leaving his seat, he came forward and stood on the edge of the raised front portion of the mosque. The sky thundered, the lightning flashed and cracked, and in the midst of all this stood Sai Maharaj, raising his voice to the highest pitch and straining every nerve as he roared. Dearer than his own life are the devotees, the sadhus and the saints, to the gods, and it is according to their wishes that the gods act. For them, the gods even appear on the earth. When the devotees implore their help, gods have to take up the cudgels on the behalf and run to their rescue, recalling their great devotion. Roar followed upon terrifying roar, and the sound seemed to fill the sky above. The mosque itself seemed to shake to tremble at the sound, deafened, deafened the ears of all. The high-pitched voice, voice resounded like the mountain echo through mosque and temples. At once, the cloud restrained the thunder that pouring rain checked itself. Baba's mighty voice shook the entire sabha mandap. Perplexed and motionless, the devotees stood still. wherever they happened to be truly how unscrutable are baba's ways the rain abated the winds receded at once the haziness of the fog melted away gradually the rain tapered off the squally wind subsided clusters of stars appeared as the veil of darkness lifted from the sky at that time later the rain ceased together altogether the fierce winds had become the moon appeared in the sky everybody was happy and at peace lord indra seems to have taken pity Moreover, a saint's word has to be honored. Thus, the cloud dispersed in every direction, and calm reigned after the storm. The rain ceased altogether. A great gentle breeze began to blow. The rumbling in the sky subsided completely, and the birds and the animals took heart. The cattle wandered off with their calves from the shelter that they had found under the eaves of houses, and roamed about freely and fearlessly. The birds flew high into the sky. Being witness earlier to the terrifying spectacle, people now thanked Baba profusely and went back to their respective homes. The cattle now reassured, scattered here and there. Such is this Sai kindness incarnate. Great is his love for his devotee, and as tender as the mother's love for her child. How can I ever describe it adequately? Equally great was his power over fire. <coughs> Listen attentively, listeners, to a brief story in this connection. I will illustrate Baba's unique power and control over the elements. Once the fire of the dhuni suddenly flared up at midday. At such a time, who can, had the courage to stand near it? 
The flame soared up into the tumultuous surge. The fire raged wildly as tongues of flame leapt up, touching the wooden planks of the ceiling. The mosque, it seemed, would be reduced to ashes in no time in this conflagration. Yet Baba was unruffled and calm. Utterly amazed, the people in their worry and anxiety exclaimed, Oh, how perfectly calm, calm and composed Baba is! Someone cried, Hurry up, bring some water! Another said, But who will pour it? If you try to do so, the baton will come down heavily on you. Who will dare to come forward? The minds were all agitated and impatient, but none had the courage to ask. Then Baba himself stirred restlessly, put his hand on the baton. Looking at the blazing fire, he took the baton in hand and struck blow upon blow, saying, Move, move back, go! He struck hard at the column, which stood at about an arm's length from the dunya and stared at the flame, keeping on saying, Calm, calm down. With every stroke, the flame began to cower, losing its fierce strength. Gradually, the dunya became calm. People too lost their fear. Such is the Sai, the greater among the saints, the incarnation of God himself who has placed his hand of benediction on your head as you place it on the feet in total surrender. He who will read this chapter regularly with faith and devotion will enjoy peace of mind and will be free from all trouble. What more can I say? Purify your heart, be regular in religious observances and worship Sai wholeheartedly and you will attain the eternal Brahma. All your desires, even the most uncommon ones, will be fulfilled and you will become completely free from all desires in the end. You will thus attain the state of Sayodhya Mukti, which is difficult to attain. Everlasting peace and contentment will fill your heart. Hence, the devotees who wish to enjoy a never-ending awareness of spiritual bliss should read this chapter with reverence again and again. Such repeated rendering, reading of the story will purify the mind and turn it towards the attainment of spiritual welfare. All that is undesirable and evil will be warded off and that which is desirable and good will be attained. Everyone can experience Baba's wonderful power by such readings. Hemat Pansaran Susai, the next chapter is very sacred and describes the greatness of the Guru-Shishya relationship and how a Guru-Putra had the Guru Golab Darshan. However, so the trial, a devotee might abandon his own Gurudev. This is the truth in which Sai gave an actual experience to his devotee and confirmed that in their faith in their own Guru. All the devotees who surrendered to him were given the marvelous experience of seeing their own Guru in Sai's place as they took his darshan, some in one way, other in another, but each was confirmed in his faith and devotion to his own personal Guru. We'll be to all here in the 11th chapter of Sri Sai Samarth Satcharit called the narration of Sai's greatness as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee Hemad Pant. So this ends our chapter.